to the WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio share Today, we will be live on the air until 6 o'clock p.m. with guest hosts from the local community. And to say thank you for your financial support, we have some great gifts to enrich your Catholic faith. Operators are standing by right now to take your tax-deductible pledge. So call 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit wsficatholicradio.org to make your donation online. Well, hello and welcome back. We're that much closer to reaching our goal. I believe we're $6,750 away. And uh, we're asking you to please be as generous as possible and call us today. Participate in the Share-a-thon. It's dedicated to the holy face of Jesus. And the nun that um, Jesus revealed his wishes on establishing this devotion of the holy face, her name was Sister Marie of St. Peter. And uh, she was a Carmelite nun who received the messages from Jesus and they're recorded in a book called The Golden Arrow. And um, our next guest will talk a little bit more about some of the other places and resources that you can turn to to know more about the Holy Face. But what intrigued me about this devotion most was that it's the devotion that Jesus himself promised would be the antidote to atheism and communism and men who were rebelling against God. And I think in our, we talked yesterday to Kathleen Heckenkamp where she was talking about the um, Our Lady of Good Success approved apparition where Our Lady said it was meant for this time that we're living in where she warned us against communism. And um, this next apparition is in perfect concert with uh, that warning that Our Lady did. She warned us at Fatima and we see it upon us. We see, little trails of it in almost every aspect of our life so the way to fight it the best way to fight it is a spiritual battle is through prayer and the prayer that Jesus suggested was the golden arrow prayer in the chaplet um, the chaplet to his holy face for anyone making a donation just so you know we have these beautiful cards that were the image was given to us from the shroud encounter person whose name is Russ Briot who was sick yesterday and wasn't able to come on the show but this beautiful image that's the true image from the Shroud of Turin was given to us to give out we made copies of it and we're touching it to the true relic we have of Veronica's veil that's been certified by the Vatican so anyone who calls in with any donation of any size or even just calls and asks us for one would be happy to provide it to you we're also providing an image um, the actual metal of the holy face so we're happy to provide that in our typical power pack that we give with every single person who makes a donation for um, those who are able to we have the golden arrow book that uh, we'll talk about available for donation of ten dollars a month or a one-time donation of a hundred dollars if you go on amazon it's listed for 14.95 so there you go and then uh, we also have these beautiful heirloom quality chaplets that were made by Nancy Martin. Her family comes from a prestigious jeweler in Ohio and they're just magnificent. They're the type of thing that you want to treasure and you want to leave to your children and your grandchildren and we have those for donations of 
um, $25 a month or a one-time donation of $250. So we have many, many thank you gifts. If you call up, you can ask the person on the, the operator um, what we have. We have the stone from St. Michael's Cave that the bishop gave the blessing, that the blessings that St. Michael promised in St. Gargano, um, Italy, would be passed on through these stones and we have them here for you for that same level donation so i don't want to take too much more time of this precious hour talking about our thank you gifts but the greatest thank you gift that we can offer you is that we will keep you in your prayers we have masses on tuesdays and sundays of every week where we remember all of our donors and benefactors and um and god will bless you so today's ash wednesday and we ask you please um, consider giving us your Lenten arms giving donation because we promise you that we will take that donation. It will multiply a thousandfold. So Mary Zazolo, I just talked to her last night and she uh, was back from a long trip from Kansas to Southern Illinois. And despite her weariness, she agreed to come on the show. So welcome, Mary. Thank you, Angela, for inviting me. Well, I mentioned to you last night, it was the strangest thing in preparation for the share I kept going online to find organizations that are dedicated to the Holy Face. And your name kept popping up. And then I was familiar with Father Lawrence Carney, who we had to kick off the share um, who wrote the most beautiful new book, The Secret of the Holy Face. And you were the person who wrote the intro in that book. Yes, it was very kind of Father to ask me to write that. I enjoyed writing that uh, uh, and uh, it's it's been a blessing to get to know him, and uh, we work together as much as possible on this cause of uh, promoting the devotion. And you are the great, great, great niece. Do I have that right? That's right. Uh, uh, we well in English. I mean, when we look here, it says Sister Marie of Saint Peter. You call her what, Sister Sister Peter? Uh, yes. I, I, in our family, we called her Sister St. Pierre, and I know that she was called that in Carmel as well in a, in a more um, familiar setting. And, of course, her full title is Sister Marie de St. Pierre of the Holy Face. Uh, so, yes, I'll, I'll just refer to her as Sister St. Pierre. Beautiful. So, first of all, tell us how, you're, how you are related. When you say great-great-great-niece, what does that mean? Okay, uh, so... Sister St. Pierre's oldest brother, and in fact, he was the eldest of the 12 children in that family. Uh, he's my great-great-grandfather, uh, and he immigrated to America at about the same time that Sister St. Pierre entered Carmel. Um, I, I, you might be familiar with Vincennes, Indiana. It was the capital of the old Northwest Territory. Uh, that's uh, he was he was requested to uh, come to Vincennes by the um, the bishop of Vincennes, uh, De La Hollandière was his name, and he himself had been in France before, and so he knew uh, the Elware family. That's the last name of Sister Saint Pierre, and uh, knew that they were artisans, and he was wanting to construct a new cathedral there. Uh, in the fashion of the of the old cathedrals in uh, the homeland, and so that is the reason that my ancestor came to America, and 
Interestingly, he also um, met and became very well acquainted with uh, what would be the first future uh, saint of Indiana, uh, Saint Mother Theodore Guerin. Wow. And yes, I, you might be familiar yes. with the um, uh, Saint Mary of the Woods. That's the convent and school for girls that she was establishing in Terre Haute, which is about an hour north of Vincennes. And so um, my ancestor, Prosper was his name, did some artisan work for her as well. He was an ironsmith, and so he did like the um, uh, the communion rail and the choir rail in the cathedral. And for for Mother Theodore Guerin, he I know one thing he did was make 100 iron beds and uh, charge just a dollar at that time oh, <laughs> for <wow>. each bed. <laughs> uh, so yes, and and then his um, his oldest son. Uh, was my great-great-grandfather, and then uh, th- that ancestor um, married late in life, and he only had one child, and that was my grandfather. And then uh, my mother, of course, has passed on what she knows of the devotion, and she just recently passed away at the end of October. Oh. Wow, what a lineage. But look at that. You know, I think about your great-great-great-grandfather, if that's what he was, that he used his skills to build, I mean, to build beautiful churches. I mean, how wonderful is that? Yes, it, it is wonderful. And uh, it, it's great that you can still go there and see his work. And uh, so I like to do that anytime I'm in the area. Yeah. So uh, fast, so what are the things you mentioned that your mother, um, that's how your mother learned about um, Sister St. Pierre? What, what tell us about that? Okay, uh, well, my, um, my great-great-grandfather, Prosper, he was in communication with the Carmelites. I saw one letter from Tours, uh, which, of course, is where Sister St. Pierre was in her um, convent. Unfortunately, the, the handwriting is so poor, and it's, it's also in French. I haven't quite made out that letter, but <laughs> there are a number of letters <laughs> from the Carmelites in New Orleans, and they were sort of the go-between uh, between the, the French Carmelites and, of course, the Americans, and uh, they gave uh, Prosper different items, um, uh, like the first edition of uh, an older biography of Sister St. Pierre, and um, numerous other books and pamphlets, and they gave, uh, I believe it must have been one of the very first chaplets made, Holy Faith chaplets, because the letter indicated that it was given in 1885, and that was the same year that the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Faith was um, approved by Pope Leo XIII, and um, they did give uh, a relic of her hair and clothing, which is sort of beautifully arranged into like a little altar um, configuration, uh, and it's under glass. And then also um, they eventually gave um, an original piece of her first coffin. Um, She was buried at her convent, of course, in the beginning, but then once the Oratory of the Holy Face had been established, and that was where um, Venerable DuPont was buried, she was moved to be interred next to him. And uh, so evidently during that process, she uh, had a different 
you know, was placed in a different coffin. And so we have the tag from the Oratory of the Holy Face, which says in French that that is a piece of the original coffin of Sister St. Pierre. And uh, so, uh, and, and then also I, I think it's really uh, interesting that there's a letter asking uh, Prosper for any memories or correspondence from Sister St. Pierre because they were wanting to initiate her um, cause for sainthood. And, of course, that's been a bit of a mystery why she is not a saint when uh, Venerable DuPont is already venerable. And, you know, but it's, it's curious, too. Like, uh, you know, I, I think Leo the Thirteenth. it's I, I'm not sure why his cause hasn't been put forward, but I did uh, actually just um, two weekends ago have the chance meeting with um, an Archbishop Emeritus of Lyon, France, who's uh, Cardinal Barberin, and he, I, I was able to see him at a confirmation here in the United States, and I knew I would see him beforehand, so I, I wrote a letter explaining that we would really we, as in Father Carney and I, would really appreciate um, help in investigating uh, the status of the cause of Sister St. Pierre. Um, it was it was difficult because he doesn't speak very much English, <laughs> and I don't speak French. <laughs> but there was a, a brother there that could help uh, translate, and he did end by saying that he would take my letter to the bishop in tour. And that was good news because it's very hard for someone that doesn't really have a name like myself to uh, approach, um, you know, a bishop in France. So uh, that'll be very helpful. Um, Hopefully we'll get some information back about that. But uh, I, you know, I do think at the time that her cause may have been going forward, it was, um, you know, very complicated period in France and very anti-clerical. And there was a you know, uh, uh, a suspicion of anything that was, you know, quote, too novel. Um, and, but yet that time did pass. And of course the, the, um, devotion was approved immediately for the whole world by Pope Leo the 13th. So he really broke with tradition in not approving it more incrementally. And, um, and then of course we, we have venerable DuPont from all of this as well. So I think, you know, it would be nice to uh, know a little bit more about uh, whether the cause was ever initiated and, you know, just what is going on with that. And you have Pope John Paul um, dedicating the whole millennium. I didn't even know they did dele- uh, dedicate millenniums, but here he dedicated that whole millennium from 2000 to 3000 to the Holy Face. So that's that extraordinary. That's just extraordinary to me. It really is, yes. So and, it validates and Yes, it, it definitely does seem to be a, a devotion for this millennium. Um, you know, it, it was it was given in response, of, and I don't know how much your other guests have gone into this, but it is you know was given in response um, to Sister Saint. Or, I'm sorry, it's it given in response to the blasphemous ideology surrounding the French Revolution but which, of course, has become much more normalized since. And, um, you know, I think a big part of that uh, are some of the errors of, like, modernism. Uh, Pope uh, Pius X referred to modernism as the synthesis of all heresies. And really, uh, modernism was kind of uh, morphed from 
rationalism, which surrounded the Enlightenment, uh, in which truth was seen as, um, you know, really based more on argumentation and reasoning than the immutable truth as preserved in uh, the doctrine of the faith. Uh, and then we have modernism that's a, a step further that um, sees truth as sort of flexible and even somewhat influenced by subjective feelings. And now we have uh, the moral relativism of today, which is kind of uh, turned into wokeism. And of course, that people feel as if there is no one absolute truth, that there are just individual truths. And uh, so we can see that, you know, the, the errors that this devotion was given to in, or in response to, you know, are really just sort of been ramped up. And so it's a very relevant devotion for our times. And of course, communism was specifically mentioned in uh, the revelations as uh, and as the enemy of God, and uh, it it ties in with some of the tactics of modernism of that infiltration from within um, both church and state. And of course, communism is um, very blatant about uh, animosity toward God and family and man's individual rights. But you know, they also use the tactics of. Uh, infiltration uh, and subversion, and and I think that's part of why we're finally um, tuning in more to this devotion in the last few years is because now that that um, is manifesting in our faces, uh, um, so to speak. You know, the, uh, I think before they were very successful in keeping it subverted, but we we see now very much some of these. Uh, ideologies and uh, coming coming out and affecting our our school system, our politics, and and even our church. Uh, you know, there's uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth was worried about this. Pope Pius the Tenth, and you know, a, a number of, of different popes have expressed concerns of uh, some level of infiltration into our church. Very true. And Mary Jane, we just have to run a station ID in a couple seconds. So sit with me, hang tight, and and we'll be right back, okay? So hang on one second, please, and we'll, we'll resume our program. Okay. Listening to Chicago's newest Catholic voice, WSFI Catholic Radio, broadcasting on 750 WNDZ, Portage, Chicago, and WSFI Antioch. Okay, you still there? Yes, I am. Perfect. So I did all my legal duties properly. <laughs> so we can resume the discussion. You know, you were just talking about this infiltration was the word you used of communism. And I know Fulton Sheen was our patron here at the radio station. I'm looking at him. He just wrote numerous articles and was so upfront about fighting communism. But now it's almost like Marxism's a good thing. It's it's viewed as an act of charity and sharing. And if people are opposed to it, it's 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 you know they you almost have to defend why you're against it. I don't think people realize or that the Catholic Church has been opposed to it, you know, for many many years and has spoken out for it. And, it, and it's and it's a sin to be a communist. I guess it's a, it's an absolute sin 
to be a communist. And you were just explaining why. I, I don't know if you can take a couple minutes to walk through some of the um, heresies, such as modernism and relativism, what those are and why they're wrong. Okay. Uh, well, the devotion is specifically to make reparation for sins against the first three commandments, which, you know, are idolatry and blasphemy and irreverence. Um, and these ideologies really attack uh, the, the due um, deference uh, to God, and, you know, they, they uh, make it—they um, take away proper fear of the Lord by attacking— God's rights, and um, uh, you know, I guess for for rationalism, we'll, we can begin then. Uh, you know, that was uh, in the period of the Enlightenment, and uh, it it basically uh, took the the notion that God is the source of truth and put it in man's hands and his ability to reason and and argue uh to generate the truth and uh or discern it i should say and you know i know there's been lots of kind of movements in between but you know we'll, we'll kind of morph into modernism uh that took matters a step further in in supposedly placing truth and morality in man's hands rather than god's by uh saying that well you know truth evolves, and it, it changes with the times, and, you know, what was wrong uh, uh, hundreds of years ago is maybe not so wrong now, and and uh, and besides that, you know, we have our, our individual subjective feelings, which really uh, should discern truth, and so again, taking it out of God's hands, and uh, man making himself into a God, and then uh, now we have it... Um, you know, even more extreme, where uh, there there's no one truth claimed at all, but rather that everybody has their own individual truth. And um, you know, so this this really is a case of man making himself a god, deciding his own truth, his own morality, and even in a sense, his own reality. I mean, some of the things that are said now with the woke movement. Uh, you know, you think, whoa, how can anyone think that? That's just, you know, that's just not real. It, um, and, and this ties back into the devotion in another sense, because uh, Christ explained in the Revelations that the wounded countenance of Christ uh, is, you know, the, the Veronica Vale image, which is the, the symbol of the devotion, uh, that, it, of course, represents uh, Christ's uh, sacrifice in the great redemption. Uh, it it also because it's on Veronica's veil, you know, represents her consolation to him, and how we should imitate that. Um, it the the image is also the face of Christ is supposed to represent the Trinity. Um, so it it is the emblem, so to speak, of the Godhead. And then finally, it is supposed to represent the quote face of the Church or her doctrine. And so these heresies go against um, the, uh, the truth as, as preserved in the doctrine of the Catholic faith. And, um, and then, you know, communism, it's, 
it, it is also anti-God, um, and um, moreover, it's, it's anti-family and, um, uh, and anti-religion, I guess. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting something. But anyway, I, I would say the main way that it ties in is, you know, it kind of borrows this tactic of infiltration from within. And, uh, you know, they all are working to uh, de-spiritualize Western civilization. I guess you could say that's the goal of all of these movements and ideologies. And, uh, you know, communism just takes more of a socioeconomic path um, and the others are maybe more philosophical. And, and why do they want to do that? What, what is the threat to them of the cat? Why, for example, we had Father Anthony, our chaplain, who grew up in Budapest, and he was brutally tortured by the communists because first as a young boy, because he was an altar server, and then later on just brutally tortured as a priest. Why? What's the threat? What's the problem with a Catholic priest practicing his religion in to, to, to communism? What's the problem? Well, I think that in order for um, communism to work, uh, there, there has to be a stripping of individual rights. And, uh, you know, we, we feel secure in those rights because we know that they were given to us by God. Uh, but I think that they have to then not only strip the the rights of man individually, um, but they have to ramp it up and say, uh, you know, there there is no God, and you know, we are the authority. Uh, so they they want to make they want to they want to carry out their own desires and designs using this socioeconomic. Uh, system and it just won't work if if we have um you know the the rights of man intact and and so they have to go a step further i think i see so tell us now a little bit about um the messages that your great 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 aunt received from jesus okay well i would like to say that um I think in hindsight, we can realize the value of them even more and, and realize that they really are setting up a spirituality. It's a spirituality of, of uh, reparation, of you could call it co-redemption, but you know, Christ said that in no other time has iniquity reached such a degree, so we've never had moral depravity like we have now. and. Uh, so I think in his eyes, it, it's fitting that mankind take a more uh, significant role in co-redemption, uh, that selfless uh, helping of his brethren. And um, so, you know, there's, there's a number of quotes that come to mind that might be, you know, kind of an easy way to... Uh, uh, you know, he. I guess regarding the the significance of the devotion, he he did call it the most beautiful work under the sun. And you know, he didn't mean that it somehow trumped the great work of the redemption, but rather that it was an extension of it. And it uh, is man cooperating with God in assisting with the salvation of his brethren. And um, 
I know, you know, he, Christ himself, explained that this was, in a sense, the highest devotion. He described uh, the other devotions as the common wine served at the wedding feast of Cana, but but this devotion uh, was like the miraculous wine served at the end. And and yet, it's not to um, denigrate any other devotion. They all work so beautifully together and are infinitely important. And in fact, the the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart uh, are very much a part of this. They we we are actually making our offering of reparation through um, through both hearts, um, but specifically through the Sacred Heart, uh, even on the you know the in the most holy sacrament of the altar, I guess you could say. Um, uh, he he describes this work in terms of uh, our attempt to um, as, assist in this celestial battle as uh, the sole means of appeasing his father. Like um, Sister St. Pierre was actually asked to um, to save France. I, I guess you could call her a Joan of Arc, only her battles were spiritual and uh, St. Joan of Arcs were more material. Um, I, I don't know, it's a little bit of a long story how that came about, but basically it uh, was when the second French, the French Revolution was sort of uh, ramping up and, and uh, he, he wanted her to use this the, the, the means of this devotion to, in his words, quote, take on the sins of France. He said, I have been asked to take on the sins of the world, but I ask that you take on the sins of France, but I will give you my merits to use in doing this. And what he was referring to was, uh, you know, the face of Christ, it, it encapsulates the merits and the love of him, and we... We are offering that faith to God, so it's not—it's not as if we're on our own uh, in this effort of uh, reparation or co-redemption. We—we are using the merits and love of Christ and offering that, and that's what makes this devotion really unique. You know, we've—we've had—we've had, um, we've had uh, awe or reverence for the face of Christ. Uh, you know, clearly all throughout the Old Testament and. You know, and then throughout the new, it uh, took on a different dimension with uh, the incarnation. But uh, we've also had uh, reparation clear back in the Old Testament. You know, there was a constant teeter totter of the uh, irreverence of the people of God, and and then they would have to make up for that by reparation. And so, what is new though is the uniting of the two um, with the power of God. And so we we are. It's, um, you know, the cooperation of man with the power of God encased in, his, in the wounded countenance of Christ. And so we're offering that face to the Father to invoke, you know, compassion and mercy, if you will, uh, upon mankind. And, and so, you know, the devotion is just a huge, a huge aid in drawing down mercy and grace for the salvation of all mankind. How does it fit or dovetail with the more, now I guess, the Divine Mercy devotion that's been publicized? Well, I I have not, I mean, of course, years ago I read the diary of St. Faustina, and I 
that's one bit of research I haven't really delved into too much. Um, I I would say that uh, there there is a sense in which. Um, well, okay, I, I think maybe one way of comparing it would be with St. Therese. Uh, you know, St. Therese is often thought of as as being, um, you know, really focused on mercy and, in a sense, maybe almost bypassing uh, justice. Uh, and, and this devotion is all about appeasing uh, God's justice to obtain mercy. And yet, when you really uh, research St. Therese, you realize that her love and respect for God's justice is, in some sense, greater than uh, what she feels for his mercy, because she feels like it is because God is just that he is merciful. And so, you know, I would suspect that we could think similarly uh, with the Divine Mercy, that um, that is a, a very beautiful devotion, too. But I think, you know, uh, paradoxically, in these times, it may be that the Holy Faith devotion, in a way, is more is more pertinent because we have got to, uh, you know, do our part to reclaim all for Christ by engaging in this spiritual armament and warfare. Um, and you know, it, it ties in with Fatima a lot in that way too. Which I don't know if you need to take another break. I'd, I hate to go on. No. Uh, uh, well, I'll just do. I'll just jump in for one second. Then um, we just want to thank. Uh, we received a, a one-time donation from an existing donor. Uh, their names are Tom and Joyce, and we just want to say they've been so generous with WSFI Catholic Radio in so many ways. Um, just want to say thank you so much for all you do. They're just a part of, of we, we couldn't do it without the backbone, the volunteers that we have here at WSFI Catholic Radio, and they work so hard, and the fact that they're actually don't making uh, monetary donations it's just it's just the love of god being showered on on the radio station and our apostolate if you haven't had a chance um, to make a donation if you're an existing donor could you donate a little bit more or if you're a new donor and you're just finding wsfi catholic radio we're the ewtn affiliate in the chicagoland area we reach northern uh, illinois but now we're going through chicagoland and indiana but it it's a huge undertaking for for us but it's an undertaking it's 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 well worth it because we know that souls are at stake we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to have what we have which is the truth of the faith the love of the faith the the strength of almighty god helping us in our daily lives and we want to make sure that there is an opportunity for people to hear the truth well told and time tested and so that's our pledge to you that we'll do the very best we can we work with EWTN and we also have local programs but we can't do it without your support so we ask you to please take a moment go online at wsfiradio.org or go and call 224-206-8455 we have many many thank you gifts we only give spiritual thank you gifts. We only give things that are going to get us closer and closer to God together and help our souls. So you won't find like boxes of chocolates this uh, this year. You'll find things that are chocolates for the soul, I guess. I guess that's the best way to, to explain it. 
And with us is Mary Jane Zazolo. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Mary Jane, who is a relative of Sister St. Pierre, who got the messages from Jesus. And she spent quite a bit of time, and I think that's obvious, understanding the meaning of those messages and how they apply to today and why they're so badly needed by humanity. And it's just such a privilege to have her at WSFI Catholic Radio on the air. So um, go ahead. I, I interrupted you a little bit, Mary Jane. I didn't mean to do that, but why don't you continue on? Oh, no, that's fine. Um, well, so we were talking before the break about, um, you know, just that this devotion is uh, a means given by he- heaven for a man to participate in the salvation of his brethren. And, of course, that's what Fatima is as well. And there are some other uh, ways in which these two devotions tie together, and they're often referred to as sister devotions for that reason. Uh, you know, they both outlined the reality of hell and that souls were going there because they had no one to pray for them. Um, and then, of course, probably most people think of this, so that the, they both warn of the dangers of communism, um, you know, the, the malice of revolutionary men, uh, but they, you know, they warn that as a chastisement that is being allowed by God uh, ultimately for uh, merciful reasons, you know, to to draw in more people um, uh, out of the fold, uh, it, because they, you know, they explain that the the remedy for this chastisement is reparation for blasphemy. Uh, of course, one concerning the Godhead, uh, the Holy Face devotion, and then with um, Fatima, the blasphemies were against Mary, and. But, you know, of course, the the blasphemies concerning Mary are an effect of those concerning the Godhead. Uh, they, they flow from false religions, which, again, those are going against the first commandment. You know, they're a form of heresy. Um, let's see, they're... Why don't you, you explain, know, can you explain, I, I didn't, I mean, I know what, I've heard the word blasphemous, and I even looked it up <laughs> in recent years. But just explain what blasphemy is and why it's such an offense to Almighty God. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I guess there's there's different levels. Of course, there's taking the Lord's name in vain or any irreverence toward um, God, Mary, and the saints. Um, uh, there's... Um, uh, there's there's heresies that go against uh, the the Catholic Church, and those are considered blasphemies. Um, I th- I think in general it's just uh, it, it, the opposite of fear of the Lord. It's it's a refusal to give God his his rights, which are outlined in the first three commandments. So you know anything that's taking from God the proper um, reverence do his name and majesty, that is blasphemy. So when we don't go to church on, on Sunday or Mass on Sunday, you know, that is taking from him uh, proper reverence that we should be given. And, and um, you know, so you can see how, well, and then for the first commandment, you know, obviously if we are worshiping something else as an idol or a god, or we we are atheists, you know, we're, we're stripping from God those rights of 
of proper reverence toward him. Hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about the language, and uh, but yours is a much deeper, as you mentioned. It's it's not letting God be God. Exactly, and so so yes, so our movements of today, the moral relativism and the wokeism, those are essentially saying, you know, I am my own God, and so that's why it goes so hard against uh, these these first three commandments, and it's so offensive to God. And in fact, um, you know, the, uh, Christ says that the the sins of blasphemy wound him more than any other sin, and so it, it is a, a very, you know, I think in, in it's part of a, the consequence of living in this age. We we just have a hard time understanding the magnitude of this sin, and uh, I, I know Saint Alphonsus Liguori has has mentioned that before. Uh, you know, he says there are cases where it is an impardonable, an impardonable sin, and so um, anyway, I guess th- those are you know that might help it outline does. that a little bit more. But um, but even like yeah, this gender, so, even this gender issue. Well, God, yes. you know, I was even the whole way we were approaching male and female, and there's like an embarrassment, embarrassment or sheepishness to, you know, state the, state the truth. It's almost like it's offend- right. we're afraid of offending another human being rather than offending God. And then we go along That's with right. it. You know, we just, we sort of like that silence of going along with these things that are so offensive to Almighty God, like sodomy murder of the children mm-hmm. we were talking about murdering our children in our womb and not not taking into account you know they're just looking at it that it's a woman's body but they're not taking into account that there's a another body mm-hmm. of what we're doing and then That's we're right. silent and, you know i think mother Teresa said it was um and i think she used the word barbaric evil a barbaric intrinsic evil of abortion and yet it's like a complete um you're in a completely different world when when we try to talk about it because I, I maybe it's what you said atheism that people don't believe in God so they don't understand that you know so now they're creating these other gods which is someone's mm-hmm. you know and and that that takes precedence it could be something that simple so that's why we need this chaplet so. that's why we need this chaplet tell us a little bit about some of the words in that chaplet because it does have a sense of justice in it do you know that it does? Yes. Um, let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. Let all, or I, I should say, you. Uh, let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. Let all that hate Him flee before His holy face. And that is, um, I, I've forgotten which psalm that's from, but uh, that is um, kind of a, a form of minor exorcism. Uh, I. It's a very powerful, and um, I want to say I think it was Saint Alphonsus Liguori said that that was the uh, the statement in the Bible that caused most uh, fear for the demons and the devil. Um, which, by the way, um, blasphemy uh, Christ revealed in the Revelations is a sin that Satan keeps for himself. He he is over all the sins of blasphemy, and he willingly delegates 
other sins to other demons, but that that is his coveted sin. And so I think that tells you how powerfully wrong it is, and, uh, you know, that, that that's sort of his signature sin, and and it's it uh, makes a big statement about just how bad it is. Um, and, you know, I, I Satan, uh, Christ explained, would do everything in his power to stamp out this devotion. And I, again, I think that that uh, statement sort of indicates uh, the importance of the devotion in the spiritual unfolding of things um, that, you know, Satan is so determined to, to stamp it out and uh, so that that's just kind of something that popped up in my mind when we were talking. But yes, I think the silence, um, you know, is a form of apostasy uh, in the face of, of some of these errors. And um, so, yes, it, it all ties in. And, uh, you know, I, I think back with uh, Fatima, I think there's an implication in both devotions that, you know, all other means of combat are useless without first making reparation. So it, it is very important. And uh, Christ told Sister St. Pierre that she would become a terror to hell. Um, and, and that's going to be true for us as well. You know, if we're uh, practicing this devotion, we, we are terrors to hell. And that's part of why Satan is so set against it. Um, uh, and, and again, and I guess another quote I didn't think of at the time, but the the offering of this wounded countenance to the Father in reparation uh, to draw down sins for the conversion of the masses, that uh, effort that uh, in utilizing the merits and love in Christ's faith for that purpose, uh, Christ says that that is the greatest source of grace second to the sacraments. So... It's very powerful, and um, I think, you know, even when we look at the promises of the devotion, we, we can see that this, this devotion is set apart. You know, we, we have other devotions to Christ and Mary, which are maybe primarily focused on uh, personal salvation and temporal assistance, and we have these promises also in the Holy Faith devotion, but then it, it just goes on to really extravagant statements like that, uh, you know, we can obtain all that we need through this offering and that we can even work marvels as in miracles. And, you know, I think if we hadn't had the example of Venerable DuPont, we would have sort of been scared off by that statement. But then he did perform all those miracles, earning him the title of, uh, by Pius the Ninth is perhaps the greatest miracle worker in church history. And six thousand, um, I think it was. I just said six thousand approved miracles. That venerable. That's Dupont. right. Is that unbelievable? I, and and I had never heard of him. Yeah, venerable Leo Dupont. Now I know. I have this list of. I have a growing list of saints, <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> people in heaven, venerable people in heaven to um, to appeal to because I, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're listening right now. They're probably listening to you right now, Mary Jane, and they're rooting you on and inspiring you on the message that needs to be, you know, sent forth. Um, ex- one second, it's 1129. We were going to have you on until 1130. I can um, hold you over if you have the time and we can continue. Do you have a few more minutes? 
Sure, sure. Beautiful. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, first of all, I want to thank, um, we had a donation online. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name, but her name is Marjorie. I won't say her last name. Husband's name is Doug. Um, they're parishioners of St. Peter and Volo, and she made a very, very generous donation online. And I want to say thank you so much, Marjorie. I think we're now within $6,000 of our goal, thanks to you and the others this morning. And um, they're just, they, these two are just, what a family they are. I mean, they are what the devil feels the most, I think, this family, because they're warriors for Christ in a beautiful way, you know, in a spiritual way, but in a courageous way as well. I mean, they just stand up to the culture, and um, they say it in a very nice way, but they defend the faith, they explain the faith, and um, it's just a privilege to count them among my friends. So thank you so much, Marjorie and Doug, for uh, for tuning in and listening to this. And I want to mention we have some great giveaways, and we can call you later and find out what you'd like as a thank you gift. But for just $10 a month or a $100 donation, for those of you who haven't had a chance to call in, don't miss this opportunity to read this book. It's called The Golden Arrow, and it is just an amazing book. It, it, it tells the story of these messages that Jesus gave. And I think at the time, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Mary Jane, I think at the time communism was pretty much uh, you know, just getting started. So it must have been startling for Sister St. Pierre to be reading about it when when really it was it was kind of just a little a little blip um, in in history. That's right. Uh, yes, she received the revelations uh, concerning communism uh, just shortly before her death. I think maybe just three months before her death, and then the or, or I'm sorry, that may have been. Uh, I think that, well, it, it was just right around the, the the very same time that the communist manifesto. Uh, surface, but I'm sure she would have never been able to read it or have any real knowledge about that because she was in her um, her illness, which led to her death. Um, she had tuberculosis and also kind of a mysterious uh, cancer, cancerous-like ulcer in her throat, which her superiors felt that was just one more layer of of reparation that that she was being called to make. Um, but yes, I guess the the point is that that there were no there were no uh, communist revolutions at that time. There were no communist nations at that time. It was just this manifesto that surfaced right at the very end of her life. So she would have had no understanding of what it meant. And um, you know, so that is kind of remarkable that uh, that word was so specifically used by Christ. Hi, I'm sorry. We just had a, just had stepped one second away to give a, a piece of paper to someone. But uh, thank you so much, Mary Jane. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so I, I was just giving that piece of paper to uh, to the the folks that are working so hard here in an ice storm. So uh, they were just explaining to me we we were having adoration here for eight hours today with Father Anthony, and they were just explaining that. Um, we have a mass coming up at noon, and we wouldn't be able to do that because of the uh, the weather situation. So disappointed. Oh, okay. Yes, I miss. So we're going to have to reschedule Jesus. Poor, poor Jesus. Is we have to reschedule him uh, for, for when the weather clears up. Do you have a storm there? In Kansas? No, not here. So that's 
yes, I, I'm sorry to hear you have that going on there. Well, it's worse if you're in Green Bay, the home of the Packers. I understand that they're going to be getting quite a bit of snow. Here it's the icy oh. road conditions, and my husband's been texting me that he just came back from Mass, and the, it's icy, and so I'm going to have to have the guardian angels send me Angel Express to, <laughs> to, make, it safe, <laughs> to make it safely back. So we're coming up uh, to Holy Mass with Father Anthony here on Ash Wednesday. Is there anything else that strikes you that you want to share with our audience? Uh, I, I won't be able to go into this, but uh, just that this devotion, it does really tie in so much with the whole spirituality of St. Therese of Lisieux, and of course she herself was a big devotee to the Holy Face. She uh, stated that the um, it was the source of all her um, piety, the wounded holy countenance, countenance of Christ. And also, you know, I, I think there is a bigger tie-in with the whole Carmelite mystical tradition, and uh, that's something I hope to include in my book. And uh, I'm, I'm working on a book. Uh, it, I'm, I'm not as speedy as Father Carney, so it, <laughs> it'll take me a little while longer. <laughs> But, uh, yes, I I hope to have that done in the next year or two, for sure. Well, we need that book. I think there's some other readings that you mentioned last night on the phone that you you recommended for people who want to know more about this, in addition to the chaplets and the prayers. If people want to delve in further, what would you recommend? Well, I think to understand the spirituality of her original biographies, there's kind of two. One says, uh, life of Sister Mary of St. Peter, and the other is Life of Sister St. Pierre, and they're pretty similar, um, but they were both done in 1884 or so, and uh, they, I love the Golden Arrow. It's a beautiful uh, and, and substantial introduction, but I think if you want to really understand the spirituality around uh, those revelations that were given, uh, the original source is important. Um, I, I think you know, it's understandable that with the golden arrow, they needed to needed to truncate it somewhat, and so I they they just put brief explanations next to the various revelations. But it's it's worthwhile if you're serious about the devotion to to read the full biography. And yeah, so I, I and what's the name of that. it again? Also, what's the name of it, Mary Jane? Uh, I, I believe it's Life of Sister Mary of Saint Peter. Uh, and then also Life of Sister St. Pierre would be the other one. And who's and the they, author? Uh, it's the the priest. That it was He was the first kind of the priest of the holy uh, face there in Tours, but his name is uh, Jan Vier. Uh, it's J-A-N-V-I-E-R. Yes, okay. And, okay, yes, and you can, I, uh, you know, I know that you can find it on Amazon. There are, a, a, you know, one other location I know you might be able to find it. Um, Diane Publishing, uh, they kind of uh, re- reprint old books. Um, so, yes, I, I think that might be helpful for people. Yes, and also, you know, that Father Lawrence, now Father Lawrence's was kind of a different take on it, but I, I really enjoyed that book, The Secret of the Holy Face, for which you did the forward. So I think we have a lot of reading to get done here. <laughs> But I will get. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm definitely gonna go online and get that. The life of um, the life of Mary of Saint Peter. I'm definitely gonna grab that book. And then the secret of the Holy Face. We'll be buying them in quantities. And when Father comes here on May 13th, 
we'll make them available and maybe have a little book book signing from we'd love you to come if you ever are a trail i know you said your mom lived in um southern illinois um or right on True. the illinois indiana border so we're not too far from there we'd love you come with the relic oh how unbelievable would that be <laughs> touch all our oh well, my gosh I will consider it. I, I, um, my son's wedding is within a month of that time frame, Whoa. so I don't know. It may work, though. We'll, we'll, we'll see what God has in store. Yes, indeed. And we'll, we are just so thrilled. When you have your book, we, let us know, and we'd love to help, uh, help promote it. But you've just been a fantastic guest, and you made my day. Thank you so much for all you're doing, Mary Jane. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for what you're doing. It's beautiful and it's such a, a worthy effort. And uh, thank you again for inviting me. And have a blessed Ash Wednesday. Yes, and we're going to all pray to your great, great, great aunt for a miracle so so we can get her canonized. We have enough people out That's there that have right. enough needs. We have to get her canonized. So there you go. Oh, yes. Yeah, so thank you. That would you. be wonderful. It sure would. Thank you. So you have a beautiful day. And for those of you who are listening, we're coming up to the noon hour. And we have Father Anthony offering Mass here on Ash Wednesday. Stay safe and stay tuned. Thank you for being a part of the WSFI Antioch 88.5 FM Catholic Radio share Stay tuned for more community hosts and opportunities to pledge your support. Call 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit our website, wsficatholicradio.org, to make your tax-deductible pledge.